Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Picking Up Rubber. I am your host, Justin Russo, and we are post-qualifying, but pre-race, for the ninth round of the 2022 F1 season, the Canadian GP. It has been a wet weekend up in Montreal thus far. Teams are really trying to get on top of the cars, trying to put in good lap times when they can. It's been a real struggle for a lot of teams. Wet tires, intermediate tires through a lot of the first three practice sessions. And qualifying was extremely hectic. A lot of shuffling of the order due to the track conditions. And let's just kind of jump right into qualifying. So we were expecting Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso to have a great qualifying. They had been trading first and second, first and second. It seemed like the entire practice sessions, especially in FP3, Alonso first, Sebastian Vettel second, Gasly third in that session. And we really thought that they were going to have some pace to really mix up the order up front, especially with Charles Leclerc having his penalty, moving back to last place. He will start new, some new engine parts on the car. So we thought there was a real good chance that maybe one of those guys could sneak in a front row, sneak in a pole position. And we go into Q1, and it's just the pace just wasn't there for Aston Martin. And even Stroll had been running in the top five, top ten for the few practice sessions so far in the weekend, and it just fell off of a cliff. They could not find the pace in the car. They're going to start 16th and 17th in the race. They both fell out of Q1, and just a disaster for Aston Martin. It really looked like they had turned a corner there. They had put some serious pace in, in the practice sessions. Both drivers were looking good. Lance, a wet weather specialist. Seb, great in Canada and has so much experience. You thought he would be able to put that thing into the top 10 at least, and, and it just wasn't there. So super disappointing for Aston Martin. The other drivers out in Q1, Nicholas Latifi, uh, Yuki Sonoda and Pierre Gasly. And of course, before we get to Gasly, Yuki Sonoda also taking a penalty. So he'll start 19th. The reason he kind of didn't really participate much in qualifying news, going to start in the back anyway, but Pierre Gasly out in, in Q1, just really rough for him. And, uh, man, it, it just, it sucks to see because AlphaTauri last week had an excellent race in Baku, both running in the top 10. Gasly finishes in P5 and, Man, this week, just nothing. They, they could not get on top of the conditions this week. Had nothing going for them. And, and it's just super unfortunate to see because, again, such a great weekend. Sonoda obviously had the issue last week in Mbaku with the rear wing. But he was running up in, I believe, 7th or 8th position before those issues. So it just really sucks to see for AlphaTauri. They're stuck in the back again. Latifi in 18th. 19th, Yuki, Yuki Sonoda. And then Charles Leclerc, as I mentioned, will start last. He participated in the first couple of rounds of qualifying but didn't advance into Q3. No risk needed there for Ferrari. Maybe putting in some laps on the track. Maybe think you can keep one of the top guys out if they can't get on top of the uh, top of the car. So good strategy on their part, thinking, hey, you know, if we put a good lap in in Q2, could probably keep somebody out. But they decided even in Q2, just, hey, you know, we, we put our laps in in Q1. Let's just get to the race. Get Charles a good, healthy car as he goes into the race. You have chances to overtake here. Understandable there. So we move forward from then into Q2. And a couple of incidents to mention in Q2. So first, Alex Albon goes off. And, and and at this point in Q2, it was starting to dry out a little bit. They had been on wet tires in Q1. They go into Q2, and people are starting to switch on the enters. So you're thinking, okay, the pace can be there, but that changeover period is always critical, as it is with enters to slicks, because you have that risk of going off the track. You don't know how much grip you're going to have. And we saw that. Alex Albon goes off. He hits the barrier very lightly. Causes a yellow flag. He's able to put it in reverse and keep going. But then the big one, Sergio Perez into the barriers at turn four. Goes straight on. He finds reverse. Christian Horner, they interviewed on the pit wall. He said, yeah, he found reverse in the car. 
but the wing, he had hit so hard on the barrier that the wing was just wedged under the barrier, and, and he really just he couldn't get it out. It was stuck. So super unfortunate for Sergio Perez. He's going to start all the way down in P13. Terrible qualifying for him, especially when he, you know, with that car, he just needed to put in a couple of safe laps, and even if he's not maximum pace, the car can probably get him into the top five. So an unnecessary risk for Perez, especially given how close he is in the championship, too. I wonder if a little bit of pressure maybe starting to build, but... Anyway, moving on, Lando Norris had an issue as well in Q2. He was running fine. The red flag came out for Sergio Perez's crash with about, I believe, nine minutes to go. So plenty of time for them to get back on track. There was a power unit issue with Lando's car as they were coming into the pits during that red flag. Once the red flag ends, everyone gets out on track. Lando is nowhere to be seen. He can't get, get the car onto the track. There's still the power unit issue. They're able to get him out with about three minutes to go, enough for two timed laps, and the power... It it just wasn't there. You can see, first of all, on cold tires, first lap he went out, he was sliding all over the place, really couldn't put in competitive sectors, and then power unit just wasn't able to be mended enough, and the team called him back into the pits after the first lap. So disappointing for Lando Norris down there in P14. Alex Albon got his Williams into Q2, a good effort by him into P12, and then Valtteri Bottas in 11th, out-qualified, and we'll get into Q3 in just a second, but out-qualified by Joe Gon Yu. So, Two races in a row, Joe Guan Yu out-qualifies Valtteri Bottas. And if Joe Guan Yu didn't have those mechanical issues in Baku, would have been ahead of Bottas in the race as well. So he has been really impressive this year as a rookie. We talked about all the stuff last year with Mazepin and how terrible he was, and he was getting beat by Schumacher. And a lot of people had the same sentiment about Joe Guan Yu for the sole reason that, you know, yeah, he's a pay driver. He brings in a lot of money. But he's been seriously competitive this year. So props to him. He has been great this year in Alfa Romeo. Have a good midfield car, has a strong teammate in Valtteri Bottas with a lot of experience, and he's going out there every week and he's competing. And obviously he's getting ahead of him at times too. So great job by Joe Guan Yu there. Then we move into the top 10. So first of all, I think you might have noticed, I didn't mention either Haas driver in Q2 or Q3 going out. They both get into the top 10. Both of the Mercedes make it. Daniel Ricciardo makes it. Joe Guan Yu of course, Leclerc in the back, he doesn't make it. His teammate Carlos Sainz does. Verstappen and Alonso all make it into Q2. Q3, that is, excuse me. Uh, and Esteban Ocon, both the Alpines do. So, a really hectic Q3. Again, they're still on enters. So, they're going around. They're putting in a lot of good sectors. And Max Verstappen is just acing the field. I mean, he he is just on top of his Red Bull. Not only does he have the fastest car, he's just the fastest driver on the track. There's no, no way around it. He is putting in purple sectors left and right. Carlos signs competitive at times. Hamilton, Mick Schumacher put in some really good laps. A lot of guys were up in the mix. Fernando Alonso as well. But Max Verstappen too much in the end. He ends up with pole position with a 121.299. Second on the grid, Fernando Alonso. El plan. Second on the grid. He had been fast all weekend. I'd mentioned at the top, him and Vettel. He's the one that ends up getting onto the front row. Vettel. Unable to get there, but Fernando Alonso with an amazing lap. Six tenths off of Verstappen, but in an Alpine. Man, I mean, a pretty good performance by him, and it shows how much pace Max Verstappen had, being six tenths ahead of the next guy. Carlos Sainz in P3. He had P2 before an, uh, Fernando Alonso crossed the line last to snatch it from him. Sainz had a really good lap going. He had a purple first sector, and then at the Wall of Champions, the chicane just lost it. Got a little squirrely and lost about six or seven tenths there and finished almost eight-tenths off of Max, but those were the only two drivers to get within a second of Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton, P4, great result for him, out-qualifies George Russell for a reason that we'll get into in just a second. So Lewis Hamilton, P4, the two Haases, P5 and P6, take a take a bow, Haas. I mean, 
Magnuson P5, Mick Schumacher P6, hopefully, hopefully Mick Schumacher in for his first points in Formula 1. That would be awesome to see. Ocon P7, George Russell P8, Ricardo 9th, and Joe Guanyu 10th. Now, I say George Russell 8th. George Russell was up, I believe he was just ahead of Lewis Hamilton. They were 5th and 6th at one point. Hamilton then put in a better time, got him up to 2nd, and eventually fell to 4th. George Russell went out on the slick tires to NQ3, and that was a huge risk for Mercedes. There was definitely a dry line, and they were alluding to this. Martin Bruno was talking about it on the broadcast. On the straightaways, it was bone dry. I mean, you could definitely run slick tires on the straightaways, especially the back straight leading to the chicane and the front straight. A lot of the straightaways, clearly, you could run in the dry. But it was the turns. A lot of the turns, especially turn one, had a huge puddle on the apex and the curb. They kind of had to go around that, find their way around, and just a lot of the slow-speed corners were still very damp, and it was just really hard for George to put in a lap, tiptoes around on his outlap, is able to get out and immediately in turn one. He's able to get through turn one, but turn two as he's trying to... Shaking my mic a little there. <laughs> turn two as he's trying to turn the car, it, it just won't turn, and he's off into the grass, into the runoff area, kind of that first section. So unfortunate there for George. Mercedes take a risk that doesn't pay off, and... I understand the risk, you know, they they had decent pace, but, and there was likely no way they were going to catch Max Verstappen and, and Sainz, and Alonso for that matter, if they didn't have, uh, you know, something up their sleeve, they tried the slick tires, just wasn't dry enough, I mean, maybe if they 10, 15 more minutes are running, but it, it just wasn't time, and that crossover period, like I said, with the Inters in Q2 with Perez and Albon, it, it just... It's so critical to get that right, and they didn't get it right. They took a risk. George, kudos to him for keeping the car on the track, honestly, and doing as good as he did. But, man, <sighs> rough for George Russell down in P8. He had a great qualifying session, would have been up there with Lewis Hamilton, and Canada's a place you can overtake, and, and then you know he'll be fine down there in P8, and that's kind of the reason that they alluded to, to Charles Leclerc just taking all the penalties he could, sit him plumb last, and just try to overtake the best you can. It's looking like it's going to be a dry race tomorrow, so that should certainly help the likes of Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez down there in uh, P13, Lando Norris in P14. Those guys should have some serious pace they should be able to make up. So really exciting race coming tomorrow. Looking forward to uh, to those guys kind trying to get up to the front, especially Charles. You know, He initially had the 10-place grid penalty, but I agree with the Ferrari strategy there. Just take all the penalties you can. Don't hamper Charles Leclerc by having a 10-place grid penalty in every single race and just throwing away a lot of good results. Take it all in one race, see what he can do, and move on with the season. So good job there by Ferrari, I think. Get it all over with. And man, this is going to be an exciting race tomorrow. I'm really excited about this race. Trying to, trying to you know, go through my mind here and see what I think. It's obvious, you know, Max Verstappen has got to be the favorite to win this race. In the dry, it's you know it takes out that that factor you know that equalizes the cars. And even if it was in the wet, Max Verstappen this year in the wet has been excellent. So, I mean, you can't fault him for anything there. I think that you know, Fernando Alonso, if he can, and, and I think he will. I think he's going to put a dive on him on Max, Max Verstappen if he gets a good start. If he can get ahead of Max Verstappen, yeah, you can overtake at this track, but that. Alpine has serious straight line speed and if you look at the overtaking spots on the track it's down by the hairpin and it's down into turn one and Alonso I think has the engine to be able to protect against Max Verstappen in those zones and we know how good Fernando Alonso is at defending I mean the guy is just absolutely insane look back to last year in Hungary versus Lewis Hamilton who was in a much better car 
Granted, Hungary's harder to overtake, but still, puts his car in the right spot, knows exactly what to do, and now he's going to be fighting for a win, potentially, if he gets a good start, jumps for Stappen. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be behind him if I was Max. They were definitely... They would definitely have to look into the pitch strategy there, try to under or overcut them, see what they could do there. And, um, yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And then you look at P3, Carlos Sainz, a little disappointing for him, if we're being honest, seven-tenths off of Max Verstappen. He'd have loved him to get P2. No Charles Leclerc. Only silver lining for him is that Checo Perez also goes out in Q2 along with Charles Leclerc. So not two Red Bulls versus one Ferrari, which I think was going to be the, the fear that Ferrari had for a lot of the weekend. Now Charles gets to fight back there with Sergio. They both get to try to fight their way up to the front. And it's up to Sainz to see if he can catch Verstappen, which has looked like a monumental task as of late. Verstappen won the last race by 20 seconds. So, yeah, a lot to uh, a lot to unpack there. Lewis Hamilton, again, P4. Really solid by him. I mean, and he was not happy on the radio. They were telling him at one point in Q3 he was eight tenths down to Max before Max put in his really good lap. And he said, man, that is a huge gap. That is just such a huge gap. And he ended up 1.5 seconds down on Max Verstappen. Mercedes, clearly, I think, still the third best team overall when you look at the driver and the car. But just they can't make that extra step yet. They're just not there yet where they can really compete with the likes of Ferrari and Red Bull to start consistently fighting for podiums. I mean, you see most of the podiums George Russell's gotten this year, maybe all of them have been because the top two teams have had some mechanical failures or something's gone wrong, and he's just picking up the pieces. Not a lot of times George Russell on pure pace has been sitting there and snagged a P3. So Mercedes definitely still frustrated, understandably, but still, even though they're frustrated, they're getting good results. It's not the P14 that Hamilton was in qualifying or the sprint race in Imola. They're getting consistent top 10s, usually 5th and 6th, which what you would expect, Hamilton 4th. Russell eighth only because of the strategy, you know, decision. But yeah, I mean, really positive things, I think, for Mercedes. As long as you are consistently getting points while you're still fighting through these struggles, I think progress is going to come. And it's going to be very interesting. The FIA's, of course, porpoising mandate that they made tried to limit the vertical oscillations, they call it, the porpoising. They're going to put a limit onto the cars, kind of look into the teams a little more, make sure that they regulate it better so the drivers aren't in any danger safety-wise. It's going to be interesting to see how that affects Mercedes. They were the ones that were calling for it a lot. And is it going to be such a thing where Mercedes have shot themselves in the foot, where they get what they want, but it costs them a lot of performance? Or do they have a plan here? And was this all masterminded by Total Wolf to where they have a plan here to alleviate the porpoising and, and somewhat find a way to go faster? So it's going to be Interesting to see that. Of course, that mandate is not in effect this week. They have pushed it back to the next race in Silverstone the first week of July. That makes sense. Um, you know, you don't really... They came up with the mandate, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday, and that, that's not something you want to rush together to try to fit in on, on this weekend, especially now, you know, with the mixed weather conditions. So I, I think it's a good idea by the FIA and, and Formula One to just say, hey, let's push it back. They said they're still looking at kind of the formula they want to go about regulating these cars with, so... Take all the time you need. I think we're going to really probably see the most of the porpoising tomorrow on the dry when they get good exits out of the corners and they get even higher top speeds than what we're used to seeing or what we saw today. So I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, Mercedes' next race at Silverstone, the home race for Hamilton. It's going to be one that he wants to perform at. Very high speed. Let's see how they go about there. Um, and then, again, 
shout out to Haas, man. F- fifth and sixth. Nick Schumacher at one point, I believe, put in the second fastest lap in Q3 before getting knocked down. Magnussen four tenths ahead of Mick Schumacher, but a great weekend for Haas. Just absolutely fantastic. They have just been out of it since Bahrain. They had that good race in Bahrain, and whether it's mechanical failures, lack of pace, you name it. Uh, Mick Schumacher, you know, hitting Sebastian Vettel in Miami, costing him a points finish potentially. They have looked really good, and this is a huge result for them, fifth and sixth. Now, of course, you don't know whether they can keep it or not, but. It's just awesome to see them back at the front. You know, they spent so much time last year saying this was going to be their year. They focused on 2022, the regulations. This is what they were aiming for, and this is the type of results that they were dreaming of. It has to be, and it's what you want to see from them. They spent so much time on the car this year. It was so bad last year. I mean, it was undrivable. Yeah, they had two rookie drivers, but the car was still awful, and really good to see them back up in good points-paying positions. This would be nice to see if they could they could keep this up. And um, I, I believe they brought some upgrades. Maybe it was either this race or, or next race. So good to see Haas back in the mix. Uh, Mick Schumacher, really hope he gets his first points in Formula 1. He's been oh so close. I think that would be a big monkey off his back. You look at all the pressure that comes with getting a veteran driver coming in after you did good last year. He hasn't performed as well as he did last year, You know, even though last year he had a terrible car. Relative to last year, you can tell that he's been off the pace of his teammate. He's not getting the, the positions and, and the finishes that he wants. But I think that I think that this finish would be really good for him, confidence-wise. Especially Gunther Steiner saying some things in the press recently. You know, maybe not having the uh, the most faith in Mick, costing the team a lot of money in replacements. But I think this would go a long way for his mental uh, mental confidence. I'm excited to see. I, ho- I hope it's a building block for him and he can just continue to build on it. I think everyone wants to see Mick Schumacher succeed. He's a, he's a great kid. He's obviously the, the kid of one of the greatest drivers of all time, Michael Schumacher. So it's a feel-good story if he succeeds, and I think that's what we all want, and uh, hopefully he gets there. And moving down a little bit, Ocon, P7. Obviously, good result for Alpine, P7, but, man, 1.6 seconds off of his teammate Alonso just... Yeah, I don't know if that's the experience kicking in there for Alonso or or what have it, but Alonso clearly outclassing Ocon this entire weekend. And uh yeah, I mean Ocon has that multi year extension. He's you know, he's got his security, but he's gotta start performing too. He he's had some really good races. It's not like he's performing bad. I'm not trying to say that or anything, but Alonso has definitely gotten the best of him. And yes, it's Fernando Alonso, but it, it's a forty year old Fernando Alonso and Hey, maybe he's kicking back father time kind of the way we see other athletes doing it like LeBron James and Tom Brady, but I think Ocon needs to definitely start stepping up here because he is the future of that team. They're not going to kick him to the curb by any means, but Oscar Piastri sitting there, you don't want to you don't want to have any thoughts kind of starting to creep into your head if you're asked about Ocon, but solid P7 by him nonetheless. Mentioned George Russell already. Daniel Ricardo in P9, good result there for McLaren. Wouldn't have made Q3 if it uh, you know wasn't for the Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez incidents. Maybe Lando wouldn't have either. We'd obviously didn't get a chance to see. You guys know I love Daniel Ricciardo, so I was happy to see him into Q3. He's 2.4 seconds off the pace. And then Joe Guan Yu in P10. Again, great result by Joe Guan Yu. Um, just excellent driving. Say what you want about him being a, a pay driver and all this. I, you know, I don't believe any of that. He's a good driver. He deserves to be in Formula 1. He's putting in the performances, and what more can you say? What more can you say, honestly? And 
Again, talking about you know some of these younger drivers, I mentioned Piastri. The rumors are heating up this weekend that uh, he might be the replacement for Nicholas Latifi next year at Williams, which I would be delighted to see. And nothing against Latifi as the guy, you know, he looks like a great guy, seems like a, a cool dude, but he's not putting in the pace. You know, Alex Albon, P12, Nicholas Latifi has not made it out of the bottom five so far this year. He's not made it into Q2. So from that end, he's not performing, and I don't think Williams after the Darilton acquisition, are hurting for money as much as they were when they acquired him. So I'm really excited to maybe see if Piastri can get in there. Piastri won F3, F2 back-to-back years. Looked like he was ready for Formula 1. Seats just didn't open up for him. He's been the Alpine reserve driver there now for a couple of years, and I think they're really keen to get him into a Formula 1 car, and that would be that'd be a great opportunity for him. Um, obviously, Williams aren't the best car. We know that. But Alex Albon's been able to put it into Q2 a couple of times, got a couple of points out of it. It'd be really fun to see what Piastri could do in that car. And I had mentioned even on Twitter earlier, small plug, follow me down below, <laughs> down below the uh, social media links. But I had mentioned that I would love to see Logan Sargent, as an American, of course, or even Nick DeVries in that Williams next year. Just try to get another guy in, in, in that Williams over Latifi. I think there's so much talent in the junior formulas right now which is also why I'd love to see another team like Andretti enter the sport, you know, not even because I'm an American, but just I love, there's so much talent down there that there are not going to be that many seats available for these guys in Formula One. So the likes of Teo Porcher, Logan Sargent, Yuri Vips, Yanderuvala, Liam Lawson, all those guys down there, there are not enough seats for all of them. And at some point, it, it, you know, you can't kick out guys that deserve to be there as well. You know, you look at a guy like, you know, oh, Carlos Sainz is struggling. Well, let's kick him out of Ferrari for, you know, ex-driver. You're not going to do that. You, you know, there are all, there's just too many talented drivers that probably deserve to be in Formula One that aren't going to have seats. And that's just the reality of it. it. It's an elite sport, and you have to be the elite of the elite. And, yeah, there's a lot of talented drivers in F2, and I say that, but even though, even so, how many of those guys get into F1 and, and end up, you know, end up being worth it? I think a lot of them will. Joe Guan Yu was a guy that a lot of people question. I think there was better drivers in F2 than, than Joe Guan Yu. Maybe not a lot, but there was a couple. And I think there are a lot of good drivers in F2 this year that deserve a seat. So hopefully we'll see that. You know, IndyCar has opened up as a you know potential spot for these guys. You look at Callum Mylot, Christian Lungard, Roman Grosjean, Marcus Erickson. A lot of these F1 guys saying, hey, let's go over to the States. Let's go race an IndyCar if there's not a seat available. And they seem to have a great time with it. They're having a good time. And putting in good results, so could be an opportunity for a lot of those guys. Um, we'll see. A lot, to, uh, a lot to be sorted out, but yeah, the, the silly season is beginning here. A lot of guys are under contract still, so shouldn't be too much movement, even for the guys that uh, you know, aren't under contract. We already saw Franz Toss today say, yes, Pierre Gasly will be driving for us next year. I believe he somewhat confirmed Yuki Tsunoda is going to be there next year as well, so those two guys are there, and for all the all the rumors we've heard about Daniel Ricardo, I think he's still going to be there next year. He's last couple races he's been close to Lando, and I think that's about all you can ask for at this point. And obviously they signed him to do a lot more than that. But if he's close to Lando and he's competing with Lando, I don't think you can kick him to the curb. He's still a great driver, a lot of experience, a lot of talent, and the marketability factor is just huge. He's got such a fan base. As an American fan, I can attest to the fact he's got a huge fan base here in America. So, got to keep him there, I think, even if he starts to struggle. So, yeah, let's uh, 
let's end off here by just looking at the race tomorrow. You know, I think Max Verstappen, I would be surprised if he didn't win this race. Um, obviously, mechanical issues happen, yes, you know, or whatever. Even if Fernando Alonso gets him, and I mentioned how good of how good of a um, excuse me, a little tired here. It wouldn't make sense, you know, the one race in in Montreal where I don't have to get up at a weird time, ten o'clock in the morning for FP three, one o'clock for qualifying, and here I am still yawning on you, but. <laughs> Anyway, uh, even if Fernando Alonso gets past him, I think Max just has the pace that he'll, he'll be able to overtake him or the, the pit stops will allow Max to overtake him again. So I think Max Verstappen wins the race. I would like to think that Carlos Sainz was, is able to snag P2. Um, you, you want something good to happen for Carlos Sainz. He had the podium in Monaco, but it just hasn't been good for him lately, whether it's his fault or the fault of the car. Um but I, I would like to see him get a podium at least. I think Fernando Alonso is going to be able to hang on to that spot. So I really think that he's going to be able to get either second or third. Lewis Hamilton's going to be on him, though. Uh, we saw the pace that the Mercedes had in Baku. Even with that long straight, uh, you know, Alonso and Ocon kind of bottom half of the top ten. And, um, yeah, so I think that Verstappen first, Sainz second, Alonso third. I'll say that'll be my official prediction. I think Sainz in the end will have the pace to get past Alonso. But I think Alonso will have enough to defend against the Mercedes. I think that's kind of the threshold that he can meet in terms of which cars he can defend, which guys he can defend versus which guys he can't. I don't think he can defend against the Ferraris and the and the um, Red Bulls for a long race. And I just don't think he'll have the pace for that. Uh, but I think from Mercedes on down, even though I think the Mercedes is probably the better car overall, the straight line speed of the Alpine, uh, I just think I think it's better. And I think it's going to be enough for him to defend. So we're looking forward to this one. Hopefully both the Haases can stay in the points too. That'd be good. You'd expect George Russell to move up, maybe kind of settle there by, right behind Lewis Hamilton in, in P4, P5. Mick Schumacher, this is this is the week, man. P6 in qualifying. This is the week you got to get some points. No excuses on this one unless, you know, there's obviously a car failure or something. But dry race tomorrow. It's looking like it's just going to... You know, it'll probably even out the order in terms of what we've been more used to seeing. Obviously, qualifying throws a wrench into that when it's wet, but with the race going back to the dry, I'd expect Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez to fly up the order. I would be, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if those guys both didn't finish in the points. And um, I think Max is just going to have a, a kind of chill day out front, unless Alonso's able to get in front of him and maybe Sainz is able to stay close to Max. Um I don't think Max is going to have any trouble. And even then, he, he's just got so much pace. Max has been so fast these past couple of weeks. Max has been so fast since he got into F1, especially the last year or two. But he, even if he's in second or third, I, I just see him going on a charge and being able to catch him. So I, I think Max is on track for a win. Um, Sainz P2, Alonzo P3. I think Hamilton, Russell P4 and P5. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I think... The I think the Haas, Acon, Ricardo battle could be real fun, especially if Lando Norris can kind of jump up into there. I think those are all similarly paced cars, if you will, and I think those guys are going to have a fun battle there for the you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth ish positions. But it should be a fun one. It should be a really fun one. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, obviously, he said that he 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 won the last two races here in Canada, as he was joking with Tom Clarkson in the uh, in the media pen. When they were asking him a question about how much he loves his track, he won in 2018. 
crossed the line first in 2019, but Lewis Hamilton won the race due to Seb's penalty. So looking for the third winner in the third different race, potentially the third team to win in three different races here in Canada. Ferrari in 18 with Sebastian Vettel, 19 with Mercedes. Didn't have their race the last couple of years due to COVID. Now we're back. Uh, it's the first Canadian GP I've watched live. Such a fun track, it looks like. Even driving in the sim, such a fun track. Just very unique. You know, it's on a man-made island. It has. It, it feels like a street circuit. Everything's so close, but, you know, the curbs are, are nice. The track, um, you know, the surface is nice. It, it's a proper track. It's just really tight, and it's on a man-made island in the middle of a city. So, really interesting track. Really interesting race coming up. A lot of things to look for. Um this is going to be a critical race, I think, for Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez, starting as far back as they are. If you're assuming Max Verstappen wins, which I'm going to, you have to claw your way back as far as you can to minimize the damage because you do not want to finish 10th and let Max get a 25-point you know, jump on you in the championship. So they have to really claw their way up as fast as they can. And You'd assume with the Red Bull's reliability issues as well that at some point, Max Verstappen's going to take an engine penalty. We saw it last year as well. Whether it's a crash, whether it's just wear, no matter what, I think he's at some point going to have to take uh, an engine penalty. So you basically just want to recover as many points as you can now. Hope that whatever race he takes it in, that um, you know he has some issues and he's not able to recover and you can get a big jump on him in the championship. So huge race for the championship this weekend. Really mixed up grid, which is super fun to watch. You know, you're watching guys come from the back. I guess the only thing that really could have thrown an even bigger wrench into this race would be more rain on uh, on race time tomorrow, but looking like dry, so we'll take that. The mixed up grid, I think, is going to be more than enough on a fun track, track you can overtake at, and uh, it, it should be really exciting. So thank you guys for listening in. Uh, I will be back hopefully uh, Monday or Tuesday maybe, maybe even Sunday. We'll see tomorrow with a uh, review of the race from Canada, Montreal, the ninth race of the Formula One World Championship. Again, let me line my finger here. Yep, uh, Check out my socials down there. Follow me on all those socials. Trying to be a little more active on Instagram. I'm very active on Twitter. Doing some streams over on Twitch as well, some sim racing, uh, you know, just kind of chill stuff. So hit me up there, down to Talk F1 for, you know, or wherever, whenever I, I have time. You know, I love replying to you guys and, uh, just chatting F1 and, and seeing what's going on. So thank you for listening. I'll see you back for the review podcast in just a few days. And see you then. Thanks.